parenting is often described as an emotional roller coaster. It moves fast, it's filled with twists and turns, and one minute you're flying at the top of the hill totally loving it, and the next you're plummeting downhill completely losing your shit. Parenting can be hard, like really freaking hard, but it doesn't have to be lived in such extremes. It's possible to get off that roller coaster and create a space for your family that feels calm, balanced, and fun. This is where I want to help. I want to help you create that space between the extremes, the space where you're able to truly connect with your kids, find room for your own growth, and even enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Raising You and Me podcast, a place for parents to come, gather the tools to help you create your own version of heart-centered parenting in order to start connecting more meaningfully with your kids and yourself. Join me in conversations that will help lift your spirit, make you laugh, define your values, get clear on your goals for your family, and bring the joy back into parenting. All right, friends, let's go. Hi, friends. I'm Erin, the host of the Raising You and Me podcast, a colrophobic. That's the fear of clowns. And yes, I totally had to Google that name and your heart-centered parenting cheerleader. This episode, I want to start with a couple disclaimers. First, if you have little ones around while you're listening, you're going to want to pop on some headphones or maybe even listen at a different time. We're going to be talking about some holiday traditions, and this is a conversation I would prefer to have with the grown-ups only. Also, this episode mostly focuses on traditions that are usually associated with Christmas. Things like Santa, the naughty and nice list, and the ever-divisive elf on the shelf. I know that Christmas is not the only celebration happening this holiday season and that many people who don't celebrate Christmas may or may not choose to incorporate these things into their family's holiday celebrations. This episode is not meant to exclude anyone or pass any kind of judgment on how your family celebrates the holidays. I simply made it to offer another perspective on some of these traditions as they relate to heart-centered parenting. Traditions are wonderful and can bring so much meaning to the holidays, but just because something has always been done a certain way doesn't mean it can't benefit from rethinking and adjusting sometimes. You are welcome to take what works for you in this episode and incorporate it into your holidays and leave the rest. However you're celebrating this year, I want to wish you and your family the happiest and healthiest of holidays. If you have logged on to social media at all in the last week or so, then you've probably come across a time-lapse video of a family decorating their tree to Michael Bublé's It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas, or photos of a toy elf doing everything from toilet papering the tree to pooping Hershey's Kisses. The holidays are definitely here in full force. And although this is my very favorite time of the year, the holidays come with some traditions that I think could do with some adjusting. The naughty and nice list is probably at the top of my traditions to adjust list. It just feels like a giant mixed message to me. I don't think I would be off base to say that most parents, whether they lean into this idea of heart-centered parenting or not, want to guide their children to be intrinsically motivated and self-confident. We want them to value their own opinion of themselves over what others may think of them, and we definitely want them to make good choices whether we're watching or not and whether there is a reward for that behavior or not. 
There's a quote that I once heard, I think it's from John Wooden, that I think really sums up this idea. Be more concerned with your character than your reputation, because your character is who you really are, your reputation is merely what others think you are. He then goes on to also say, the true test of a person's character is what they do when no one is watching. I'm confident that most people would agree with the concept of character versus reputation, which is why the idea of a naughty and nice list feels problematic to me for so many reasons. The naughty or nice list only offers two options. There's no nuance or room for grace for mistakes. You're either good or you're bad. For me, that seems pretty extreme. We don't function like that as adults in the world. If I mess up, it sucks for sure, but I know that for most of those mistakes, there's room for me to fix it. There's room for me to adjust, but it also seems extreme to me because there aren't really any bad kids. There are definitely kids who need extra support or kids who have challenges that require more attention and intervention from adults, but flat out completely bad kids, I don't buy it. When we as the adults use our authority to label kids as good or bad, we're sending them the message that there's no room for making mistakes and that other people's opinions of them is more important than their own opinion of themselves. Also that other people get to decide your worthiness to receive good things. If we buy into the naughty and nice list, then bad kids aren't worthy of getting gifts. Those aren't messages I want any of our kids to get, mine or yours. One of the other funny things about the naughty and nice list to me is that I'm pretty sure it was created with the intention of encouraging quote-unquote good choices or behavior from kids. It was meant to incentivize them. This idea that someone magical is watching and making a list. If you're good enough, you'll be rewarded with gifts, but if you're not, you get nothing. I can see where they were going with this idea. It's creative for sure. But if you really crack open all the feelings that come with this naughty and nice list incentive, it actually just creates a feeling of anxiety and this intense pressure of being watched and judged. I once heard someone say, no one is more patient than a parent who has an audience. I think a lot of people might agree with that. So let's imagine for a minute that we flipped this scenario. At the beginning of December, someone somewhere is going to start to observe every single thing you say and do for the entire month. They might even send one of their little troublemaker employees to your house to watch you. And then, at the end of the month, after giving you no real guidelines as to what they are looking for, so you just have to aim for perfection and cross your fingers that you make it, they'll decide where you fall on the list. They'll decide whether you are good or bad, and then they'll reward you, or not, accordingly. That sounds terrible. That sounds like the worst, most stressful month ever. I'd rather have daily root canals than the situation I just described to you. And I can say with total confidence that when I feel that level of stress and anxiety, my choices are not always ones I'm proud of. And they're definitely not ones that I want somebody judging me for. It's not any different for our kids. When we say things like, Santa's watching, it doesn't inspire or incentivize our kids to make kind, thoughtful choices. It actually has the opposite effect. It ramps up their stress levels and makes them feel judged, which in turn will only cause them to make more and more choices that are out of line with their character. Not really the intended result here. 
Also, when we go with the naughty and nice list and the idea that naughty kids don't get any gifts, we have to think about whether we are willing to follow through on the naughty and nice list consequences. Are we really willing to withhold gifts from our kids if they're not behaving in a certain way? There's no right or wrong answer to that question. That's a question only you can answer, but it does bring me to one of the other sticky parts of the naughty or nice list for me. When we encourage the idea that the good kids get presents and the bad kids get nothing, it creates the problem of attaching individual worthiness to a gift. If we're going to get our kids to buy into the idea of the naughty and nice list, then it's only natural that they will assume that the gift, or gifts, plural, they get are equal to their goodness level. The more exciting a gift is, or the larger the amount of gifts that they get, the nicer they must be. That feels icky to me. This is not the intention behind gift giving. Gift giving obviously isn't the only way to show affection, but it can definitely be an expression of love. But that love shouldn't be tied to the worth of the gift or the amount of gifts. And then the gift itself doesn't determine the amount of love that comes with it. This is something that a lot of grown-ups can still have issues with, and it's already a pretty abstract and complicated concept for kids to make sense of. But when we add in the naughty or nice layer, we make it even harder to navigate. So this is one of the reasons that we don't really do the naughty or nice list in our house. In our family, we like to tell our girls that people give you gifts because they love you and they want to share that experience of giving with you. When someone gives you a gift, they do that because they love you for the whole person you are, not as some sort of reward for doing good things. When a friend draws you a picture, they took time from their day to create something especially for you because they were thinking of you and they like spending time with you. That picture is filled with the same love as the dollhouse that was bought from the store. The value of the gift does not equal the value of the love. And the value of the gift does not equal your level of goodness. At the beginning of the episode, I mentioned the idea of intrinsic motivation. When a person's goodness becomes attached to the value or the amount of the gifts, it encourages the opposite. It encourages extrinsic motivation, which ultimately means our kids will make choices based on what the reward is. Then you dive into that tricky area and you have to think what happens when there is no reward? What choices will they make when no one is watching? Don't get me wrong here, external rewards aren't always a bad thing and can be used really effectively, but gifts aren't meant to be rewards for certain behaviors. They aren't meant to be conditional. They're supposed to be a generous expression of love and thoughtfulness from the special people in our lives. So that's the part that we choose to focus on. In the episode I posted a few weeks ago about cultivating gratitude in our kids, I talked a lot about asking our kids intentional questions. The idea of naughty and nice is another great place to ask them thought-provoking questions. What kinds of behaviors are considered naughty? What are considered nice? How do you think naughty people or nice people act? Do you think that people can be both naughty and nice? Why do you think we are nice sometimes and naughty other times? If someone does something that's considered naughty, does that mean they're always naughty now or can they shift back and forth? Does naughty behavior mean that the person is a naughty person? Why do you think people are naughty sometimes? 
There's so many questions. And when we encourage our kids to think about different behaviors and the feelings that might be motivating those behaviors and how they relate to goodness, it encourages empathy and grace and the self-confidence to move forward after making mistakes because they know that there's grace there for them as well. Lastly, inclusivity is a key value in our family. The world is so much better when everyone feels they have a place in it. The naughty and nice list isn't very inclusive and leaves very little room for circumstance. Again, if we're having our kids buy into the idea of a naughty and nice list, what happens when their friend whose family is struggling to make ends meet tells them they didn't get any presents this year? Naturally, our kids will just assume that person must be naughty, but they're making that assumption based on nothing but circumstances. Imagine how confusing that must feel for them when they start to question why they think their friend is nice, but Santa believes they're naughty. This really hit home for me the other day when I was standing in the grocery line behind two sets of parents. One family was saying that they didn't want to do Elf on the Shelf, but they were feeling pressured because their little one was asking why some of their friends had an elf come to visit and they didn't have one in their home. The other parent kind of groaned in agreement and then responded saying, They didn't do Elf on the Shelf either, and that to get past this, they told their child that Santa only sent elves to the naughty kids to keep an eye on them. I'm not telling this to bash these parents. I know absolutely nothing about them other than that two-minute conversation I overheard. And I know that feeling of pressure when your child wants to do something because they feel like their friends are. I'm also not telling you this story to guilt you into doing Elf on the Shelf. You get to decide if that little red shithead works for your family or not. I'm telling this story because in that moment, my heart hurt for the little one who's now trying to figure out which of their friends is naughty or nice. Why do they think that they're nice? But Santa sent them an elf, so really they must be naughty. When we put arbitrary rules around who's naughty and who's nice, it leaves no room for inclusion. There isn't room to celebrate our differences and it creates this unnecessary divide. When we tell our kids that there's good kids and bad kids, they're also going to automatically assume that if I want to be a good kid, I can only hang out with the good kids. There's that divide. That may seem like a bit of a jump to get all that from a silly, made-up Christmas tradition, but for our kids, these traditions aren't silly and they are very much real. So we have to apply that same real logic to it as well. There are so many ways to add magic to the holidays and to create all these fun traditions, but we would be completely and totally freaking exhausted if we attempted to participate in every single one of them. And for all the shitty, terrible things that 2020 has brought us, this year we're being given the opportunity to really be able to focus only on the ones that bring us joy. Choose the traditions that fit for your family and focus on those. Put the love and the magic into those. Screw the stuff that feels stressful or like an obligation. Screw the stuff that feels a little bit icky to you. Fuck what the neighbors are doing. But if your kids do ask why others celebrate one way and you don't, I would really, really strongly encourage you to tell them that every home has different traditions and then shift the focus back to what you do and start listing the fun ones you choose to do in your home. Please avoid attacking or attaching negativity to others' traditions or how they choose to celebrate. I also want you to remember that if there is a certain tradition that's become a real sticking point for your kids and you do feel like you have the capacity to take it on and add it to one of your traditions, 
remember, you can choose to do it in your own way. I thought when I heard of Elf on the Shelf that the idea of having an elf visit would be really fun and kind of magical, but I really hated the watching behavior and reporting back to Santa, and I also hated how they weren't supposed to touch it. Having a toy in the house that they couldn't play with just seemed like a bit of a battle that I didn't want to take on. So we adjusted a little. We do have an elf that comes and visits, but it's not actually an elf on the shelf, and we don't join into all the rules around elf on the shelf. Our kids are able to play with the elf, and the elf doesn't do tricks every night because that kind of commitment felt really overwhelming for me. The elf isn't there to report back to Santa. It's just there to enjoy the holidays with our family. We also choose to use the elf to encourage kindness and generosity in our girls. The elf often leaves a note with an activity or a random act of kindness we can do for our family or out in the community. So remember, there really are no rules when it comes to these traditions. You can do it however you want to. Traditions are so wonderful, but when you're able to adjust them to really fit your family, that's when they become truly magical. You know when you hear people talk about going to that happy place in your mind? Usually this is said when you're trying to meditate or trying to calm your brain a little bit. When I hear that, I almost always choose our Christmas Eve tradition of going to this really big light display. Every year we take the girls on Christmas Eve and I'm never more happy than when we get on the carousel surrounded by twinkling lights and we spin in circles until I feel sick. Then we walk around and stare at the lights, drink our weight in hot chocolate, and the excitement from the girls is totally palpable. And yes, I cry every single time because it is just the most pure joy. This holiday season, I hope you adjust and create and lean into the magic of the holidays, but I also want to encourage you to be thoughtful and intentional with your traditions so that they line up with the values you're already teaching your children January through November. Thank you so much for listening, friends. I am truly grateful that you spent this time with me. Sending you love and energy and the best wishes for a great start to the holiday season and rooting for you always. Be safe. Talk soon.